Story number one. Surveyors written by Kiev KRS. That actually went better than expected, Jones said at last. It was the first he'd spoken since leaving Holgran for over an hour ago. He spotted Rick, turned to stare at him. Better? You call that better? Rick gestured furiously towards the rear of their craft, where the planet was rapidly shrinking into the black void of space. Explain to me, Jones. Explain how that could possibly have gone worse. Well, Jones muttered, I mean, it didn't explode, right? Completely, anyway. Rick fixed his fingers, imagining his hands closing around Jones's throat. In the halls of, uh, hey, y'all, watch this. Holgrun 4 was getting its own special plague right now at the entrance. Jones, did, did it at any point occur to you that the reason we were outfitted with a gravitronic drive was precisely because HQ didn't want a combustion anywhere near the planet? Jones went silent again. Rick dared to hope for gravity of the situation finally sinking in. He still wasn't even sure where Jones had obtained that lighter. Report, Survey Crew 5820, Richard Clement, Nathan Jones. System, Hillgram 237, Local Body, Hillgram 4. Summary, the high concentration of condensed hydrocarbons, primary liquid and frozen methane, ethane compounds, atmosphere more than 50% oxygen, average surface temperature approximately minus 170 degrees Celsius, lakes of liquid O2 and the polar regions, Planetary crust of carbon structures, graphite and diamond, brittle, will support only light machinery, mantle, almost entirely methane ice, active core creates geothermic activity, hydrocarbon geysers near Teutonic fault lines. Incident. While completing the final planetary readings, survey crewman Jones produced a cigarette lighter from his suit compartment and proceeded to ignite a nearby methane geyser for, um, fun. This reacted with the oxygen-rich atmosphere and created a plume of fire three kilometers high. Survey crew immediately began extraction procedures and abandoned the planet. The combustion event spread throughout the local fault line, creating more flame geysers. These expanded rapidly as brittle crust was destroyed, allowing more oxygen into the geothermal channels and the ice mantle. At this time, nearly 30% of Hillgram 4 is burning. Note, the bad news is Jones inadvertently turned a planet into a stellar-sized rocket engine. Hillgram 4 is burning with enough force to shift its orbit and will likely become highly elliptical once it extinguishes itself. The good news is that the oxygen-slash-methane reactions are producing a massive amount of water and CO2, which may prove beneficial as a terraforming medium once the planet burns out. From Stal Ors Inc. HQ to Survey Crew 5820, Richard Clement. Please inform Crewman Jones that if he even thinks about lighting so much as a fart ever again, you have our express permission to leave him on his rocket planet and that he can fly that home by himself. End of story number one. Story number two. Guardian, written by Kiev KRS. Rocky dust clung to Kellett's footpads as he ascended the mountain, just as his father had done in seasons past, and his father before that. 
generations down into the half-forgotten folklore. The sage had not spoken to any of them in so long. Gellert's people thought it was a myth, but ill omens and superstitions were still a powerful force, and they did not wish to offend fate. So Gellert trod the well-worn pathway up the mountain peak to where the sage once lived. Gellert rounded the bend. He was granted a magnificent view of plains below. Red grasses rolled endlessly into the horizon, broken only by the serpent-like twisting of the river. His gaze drifted downwards to the village nestled in the mountain base. Though small, it had grown substantially in recent seasons, as traders from upriver became frequent visitors on their way to the large port at the river's end, where it met the ocean. Some had even started bringing waves of polished copper and bronze. Gellert wondered what the sage might have said about that. The secrets with working with metal, no longer a secret, Interesting times lay ahead. By midday, Kellett had managed to climb more than two-thirds of the way, long on body and legs with deep chest cavities and strong lungs. His people had begun the simple scavengers, omnivores, that who could travel a full day or more without rest, in search of their next meal. As the seasons turned and the ages progressed, they grew more clever learning to fashion crude bone tools from the carrion, protective wraps from the hide for their footpads, clothing of woven grasses to better conceal their presence. They learned how to hunt, how to farm, how to read the passings of the seasons and prepare for the future, and a thousand other things that continually edged them closer to civilization. At some point in the distant past, his ancestors had discovered the mountain and the river that had wound past it. The shelter from the harsh storms and the dark season, irrigation and fishing during the long light, a choice location to call their own. Then, in a moment of curiosity, one had chosen to climb the mountain. When he returned, he spoke of a sage who lived at its peak, of a being that glowed light and endless wisdom. Thereafter, every generation made seasonal pilgrimages to the mountain peak to seek the sage's advice and knowledge. It became a tradition, one that endured long after the sage had ceased to appear. Kellett expected no difference this time. He climbed to appease the village elders and to enjoy the crisp, cool air the mountain height afforded him. An ominous dark smear on the horizon suggested that he wouldn't have longed to enjoy it, however. The storms were known to roll over the plains with a frightening speed and fury. On the plains, the driving rain and the wind would soak his clothes and lash his fur. On the mountain, it might well lift his fragile body and hurl him from the trail to his death. Perhaps tonight I will find where the sage sheltered and share its abode, Kellett thought, quickening his pace. It had to have somewhere safe to reside. When the last Akelet reached the mountain summit, the day's light had faded behind the thick grey-green clouds, and the sky was a discerning shade of purple. He could see the hazy line of the darkness on the plains below. From his vantage point, the wall of torrential rain appeared to move slowly towards him. But Akelet knew the day were down on the plains, and he could not outpace the dead sprint. The storm will be here soon a voice behind him intoned. 
Whirling around, Keller laid eyes on something that his forefathers had not seen in generations. On a wide, flat stone there stood a figure formed of light, white, yet somehow not blindingly so. Its outline a pale yellow hue. Taller than himself, it stood two thick legs, its torso squat by comparison but sturdy. At the top of its two wore limbs smaller than the legs but just as muscular, and a bulbous round head that swiveled to face him, though it lacked any distinct face. Shocked, Keller dropped to his knees and prostrated himself before the figure. Hi, my, my people, we... Uh, forgive me, Sage, we, we thought you, you were but a myth. The figure took a deep laugh, resonant and warm, the sound echoing around the rocks. Sage is gone. I am guardian. Guardian? Keller rolled an unfamiliar word on his tongue. Where has the sage gone? I do not understand. I will answer what I can, but please, shelter. A storm approaches, and I must keep you safe. The guardian gestured to the rock face, where there was a cleft in the stone with wide enough for Keller to slip through. Odd, I do not remember the crack being there before. Hesitantly, Kellett obeyed, squeezing through the narrow passage into a small cave, its floor sandy and warming his footpads. Somehow, the guardian was waiting for him on the other side. Startled, Kellett turned to look behind him, but there was no other entrance. Indeed, it was a crack that he'd just come through was also gone. The room was sealed. As if sensing his mounting confusion, the guardian spoke again. Do not fear, young one. I protect those who shelter in my shadow. You and your people need fear nothing but yourselves. As a talk, Kellett felt an odd disorientation, as if the cave was somehow moving. A storm approaches, and I must keep you and your people safe. You must tell them to seek refuge. I saw the storm from the mountain peak, Kellett answered, puzzled. Our homes have weathered much worse storms. Why is this one different? That is just the weather, Guardian said, and is of no consequence. The storm I speak of gathers far above the clouds and will rain burning light of death upon your people. The frankness in his voice sent chills down through Kellett. Who are you to threaten us? What happened to the sage? Who gave my village hope and wisdom? Kellett felt his fear turn to anger, venting it in a strange apparition. Storms that rain, burning light, and bring death. What sort of nonsense is that? Enough! The guardian's outline blazed an angry red, silencing the frightened youth. The threat is not my doing. I am guardian, and I will protect you. That is my duty. Sage has done his, and he is needed no longer. Miraculously, a second figure, smaller than Guardian, burned to life right before Kellett's stunned eyes. This one's height matched his own, though its limbs were still brutish and thick, and it waved a hand at the Guardian as if to calm the larger one down. It would seem this one doesn't need me, the figure declared, a hint of amusement in its ethereal voice. It turned its features to gaze at Kellett. Forgive Guardian. This is the first time he's had to interact with your people in a millennia. T two? There, there are two of you? Kellett slumped back against the stones, stunned. 
He was tapped in a small stone chamber with not one but two figures from myth itself, and the stones behind him were rumbling faintly. He could feel the vibrations. Something within the mountain was moving. Yes, young one, there are as many of us as there are stars in the night sky. If your people are clever enough, bold enough, and strong enough, you may one day meet the rest of us. But first, you must weather the storm, and for that, you'll need the Guardian's help. Sage's tone was soothing, but still firm, and she continued, Go to your people, tell them to seek shelter within the mountain. We will protect all that we can. Gallad opened his mouth to speak, but both figures vanished before he could get a word out. Behind him, a gust of cold air washed over his fur, damp with rain. The gap in the stone had returned, yet, as he slipped through the crack, he found himself waist-deep in red grass and a mountain base. Heavy rains battered him, nearly obscuring the dim glow of the reed lights from his village. Now only a stone's throw away. The last denizens entered the sanctuary, and Guardian closed the doors with a satisfied rumble. One hundred percent secure and safe deep below the ground. Only empty buildings remained, and those were nothing where collateral damage was concerned. None too soon either. Heat signatures were already being detected burning through the atmosphere. It was time. Rock crumpled, shattered, roaring and grinding as it tumbled down the mountain that was not a mountain. Eons of geology sliding away to reveal a monster that slumbered underneath, an armored titan rising up on six gigantic legs, a walking fortress bristling with weaponry. All across the planet, its brothers awoke from the deathless sleep, rising from the seas and plains, glaciers and volcanoes, lifting their guns to the sky, ready to serve their purpose at last. The heat signatures slowed, and the intruders in the sky pausing in their consternation and uncertainty as a Terran planetary defense system came to life below them. As one, the city-sized hexapods trained their weapons towards the craft, Two dozen in all, each one warning of more than a hundred different weapons locked on. A transmission roared, shaking the communications array into its powers. This world is under the protection of terror, it bellowed. Leave in peace or die in pieces. End of story number two.